Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce you today, Brad Barch, who's the Senior Director of Admissions at Arizona State University. Brad, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm super excited to be here, share about ASU, and share about the college admissions process. Well, that's why we're here, and we're so excited. So thank you again. And Brad, let's get right to it. So tell me, what are some of the things that you personally love about ASU that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Yeah. What What isn't there to love about ASU is where I would kick it <laughs> off with. Um I think I'll talk to you about two important things uh, to consider when looking at ASU, why students and families are attracted to it for their post-secondary option. The first is, you know, in college admissions world, everyone says don't pay attention to rankings until you get in the top 25. Then you like to talk about rankings all the time, right? <laughs> so ASU has been listed as the number one in most innovative university in the country for the last eight years. Wow. And that is an important metric when you think about how students' educational journeys have been shaken up over the last four years, right? And so when students graduate from high school, when they continue to their post-secondary option, they don't have the luxury to stop learning. They have to have all of this type of futurist mindset. Um, and that's where the innovative skill set comes in, right? And so not only do students and families get excited about that innovative uh, mindset, but when you connect career to that, because just like colleges have rankings, businesses and companies have rankings that they're competing for as well. And so that means different employers come because they know the skill set and the mindset that an ASU graduate has is going to contribute to their company in a very different realm. And then the other thing that I think is really, really important is in college admissions world, we always get centered around selectivity, record number of applications, record number of students being denied, and the harder it was to get in, the better of a place it must be. To me, it's more about where you go and what you do while you're there um, and the impact that you have. And ASU has built into its charter a really strong statement. We want to be judged by who we include and how they succeed. And so you find a really welcoming, inclusive community where there's valedictorians, students that have taken 15 AP courses, 
you have bona fide B students that are crushing it in a variety of other high school activities and they contribute to the university community extremely well. We have students that don't have access to running water or the internet at their home. And so it makes for a very vibrant campus atmosphere. Um, and then, you know, one of the things I think is incredible is a lot of colleges and universities will talk about having a student from every state, right? At ASU, we welcome a student from every congressional district in the United States. So as we come out of election season and have been looking at maps, think about what the campus fabric is like when you can say a statement like that. And then also this last week, we were listed as the top public institution for international students. So students travel all over the world to go to this university in the fifth largest city in the country. So those right there are the things that I think, you know, make ASU a fun and dynamic place to be at, both as a student both in the community, if you're a family member, as someone that has worked there for over 15 years, that's what keeps me um, thriving, I would say, in the ASU community. Wow. Well, that's a terrific overview, Brad. Thank you so much. I did not realize that you were the top public institute for international students and you were rated number one as most innovative university for the last eight years. That's terrific. And it truly sounds that there's something for everyone as per your description. So we really appreciate that. And Brad, of course, if you're going to come to a, a college or a university, you're going to spend four years on campus. So visiting, if at all possible, is something that I think is very important. So, Brad, if a student is able to come to ASU, what are the areas that they should visit and what are some questions they should be asking to help them determine if the school is, in fact, the right fit for them? I think one of the important things to do when coming to campus is, right, take the official tour. That's where students get kind of the overview of the student perspective. But spending time on campus after that tour and walking around to the different areas, listening to the conversations that students are having. Um, ASU gets a little complex in this space because we have four campus locations that are all ASU together in the fifth largest city in the country. So students get the opportunity to design and customize their ASU experience. I think a lot of students get hung up on a college is only going to have one type of experience for the student. And what I think is important when you look at a large public like ASU is you hear all of the things that you can do. And you have to take that into account that you cannot do all of those things. You have to find the five to eight things that you're passionate about. And that's when you have a fulfilling experience. And while we're one of the largest public institutions when it comes to population, helping students understand scale um, and how everything is big by nature, but it's easy to take what is a big institution and shrink it down and have a really personalized experience. Um, so again, I think walking around the community, spending more than a day there. Um, I always enjoy students that visit a peer institution so they have something to compare and contrast. Um, and the, my favorite place to go, well, two of them are student unions on campus, because that's where you hear the activity that you hear what's going on on a weekend, and then also the ability to go into a library and see what a library looks like. Because as family members and parents, we have a very different perspective of what a library is supposed to be. And students going into the future need something totally different in that library facility. And you can see schools that are investing money and resources into study spaces. And I think that's an attractive thing for students to consider when they're doing their college search. Well, it's a large public school, like you mentioned, with four campuses, but the way you're describing it, it's a large school with a small town feel that has something for everyone. And I know that you have a lot of majors that students come to ASU for, just to name a few, business, engineering, education, yep. journalism, and the list goes on and on. Yeah. So Brad, let me ask, if a student 
wants to demonstrate their interest in ASU, what are some of the things that they do to demonstrate that interest? And is it something that you track as part of your overall admissions process? We don't look at demonstrated interest in the application process. And I know we'll probably dive into the application process here in a little bit, but I think demonstrating your interest at that institution allows you to understand if that's the right place for you, right? And I think one of the important ones is looking at different types of summer camps that may be related to your particular degree program, because now you get to find out if your passion area aligns with what your dream job is, right? I think in college admissions, and we're probably heading up into a holiday season right now where every student is going to get asked, where are you going to college and what are you majoring in? Which is literally the worst question ever. It forces a 17-year-old to be on the spot and feel like they have to have a 100% certain answer. I wish more people would ask students, what is your dream job and what do you want to get out of your college experience? That tells me a lot (laughs) more about you as a student and also takes the pressure off of that. So demonstrating interest, we don't look at it in the application review process, but when you're going through that process, you're finding out and researching how the school fits into your post-secondary options, your career paths. And I think what gets really tricky here, and I'm sorry, I get into major and career exploration because that's my passion area is... A lot of students are going to need degrees that haven't been designed yet, right, for the careers that they're going to have. And as an adult in the room, that's sometimes a little unnerving because they're words and terms that we're not familiar with um, because the speed at which technology is exponentially growing and expanding every couple of years. Students need different types of learning experiences. And so, um, you know, like computer science pops up all the time is like an interest area. That was like 10 years ago. Now there's new forms of computing (laughs) that students have to get to and they only know that word. And so I just go back to that demonstrated interest is like that's the starting point to understanding how the whole journey um, will go through your college experience. Well, I love that insight and we really appreciate it. And I know that you have many programs and like you said, it's a large public university. Brad, do you have an honors program at ASU and how are students considered for such a program? For example, do they have to apply separately? Yeah, so ASU does have an honors college, uh, Barrett, the honors college. Um, There's all of these different communities that exist within ASU and Barrett is just one of those. It's a community of scholars across all four campus locations. And it's not saying that the rest of ASU isn't challenging enough. It's a different way to add structure to your ASU experience. Um, I think a lot of high achieving students have a lot of varied interests and sometimes they need someone to help guide them on the path. Um, And it's not that it's the extra work component of it. Students that are in the Honors College know how to do the work. Um, Where I find the benefit of an Honors College is it gives them the structure and framework to have a phenomenal experience at a large university. And one of the ways that I look at this, for example, is a lot of students want to go to medical school, right? Well, ASU doesn't have a medical school, but by being in the fifth largest city in the country, the opportunities to get experience across all the major trauma centers in the fifth largest city in the country is incredible, right? And the Honors College allows students unique opportunities and an internship. So if a student is looking at applying to a graduate program, a fellowship program, a pre-professional program, the Honors College allows students to build a body of work um, that makes them a successful applicant. And I think even in the business world, where students are looking and gunning for, you know, the t- these four accounting firms and those accounting firms look for students from specific schools, the Honors College gives students a different way to get into those type of areas there.
What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability, affordability, and a wide selection for bedding to storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes. Well, we appreciate that. And I know that ASU, like many other schools throughout the country, is test optional. Brad, can you share the percentage of students that apply and that are ultimately admitted that did not submit their test scores? Yeah. So I'll go back to that charter that I said. We want to be judged by who we include, not who we exclude and how they succeed. Um, I was having a conversation with three of our associate vice presidents the other day, and we don't think we can ever find when we ever required a test score. So forever, we've always been test optional. Like there's no documentation of that. Um, when you look at that inclusive statement in the charter, a single setting of a test score should not determine your fate at an institution, right? And so we will always use a test score if it would help a student out when it comes to scholarship review. Um, we would help them out for many of our degree programs are direct admission. There's not pre-business, there's not pre-engineering, not pre-nursing, you're in or you're out. And so the GPA requirements might be lower if a student has a higher test score to get direct admission. So we're looking at using the test score as a way to help a student out, not as a way to disqualify them from the university experience there. So most of our students, and if you look at the last five years, it's been all over the board, um, mainly because there's some state things that happen in Arizona when it comes to test taking that's very different than, I would say, the coastal United States. Um, and this is coming from living in California for quite some time. And so Arizona has its own unique culture around test taking or maybe limited parts there. But again, every student that meets our requirements to the university for admission is admitted. It's not competitive based. And I think that builds the community on our campus. And we hear this from our students where they may visit a very selective school and they hear that competitive vibe throughout the campus community. And that's exciting for some, but that's not the right fit for everyone. And what they hear when they come to ASU is this more inclusive, collaborative community because you're not comparing test scores because it wasn't built into the foundation of the admission requirements. Well, that's a great answer, and I love that ASU is an inclusive and collaborative environment. That's awesome. But I was also curious, Brad, with the ease with which to apply to multiple schools, thanks, of course, yeah. to the Common App and the Coalition App, schools are receiving far more applications than ever before. So as admissions yeah. professionals, how do you determine the number of applications to accept, waitlist, yeah. and even deny when you receive far more applications from deserving candidates than seats available? And this is probably, I'm probably the most different person or a different institution when that you've interviewed in this space, I would say. If every student meets our requirements, they're in because our institution believes in not limiting educational opportunities. Because as soon as you limit education, if we were to become selective, we would cut off the pipeline to workforce development in the fifth largest city in the country. We have a fundamental responsibility to make sure that there is a young, educated population feeding into the fifth largest city, which also then drives economics, that also makes it a robust place for businesses to be at. And so that's our mindset is we're not going to get, you know, to some of the great uh, 
causes in humanity by limiting who has the opportunity to research and study them. Um, how do we get more people involved in that? And so that's where you'd see with the Common App, with the Coalition App, our application volume has grown, but also I have a university president that says, that's great. We want students getting their education at ASU because that's going to be able to fix some of the problems that we face as a society. So that's what's exciting. Um, you know, we do have a lot more students looking at ASU. But again, I go back to it's now in the students you know, mindset and decision-making process if ASU is the right place for them. So I would never want to recruit a student and, you know, say, hey, this is the best place for you. They need to make that decision up for themselves. Understood. And I love how you explained that ASU doesn't limit education. I think that's fantastic. I really appreciate that. I do want to ask, though, about your overall application process as the transcript is the most important part of the academic portion of the application. Yeah. So, Brad, can you walk us through what are you looking for when you review an applicant's transcript? Yeah. So with our direct admission, when students meet requirements on the academic side of it, they are admitted to the university. Um, we then know if a student meets those requirements, they're capable of doing well. We expect them to do well when they come to the university. We expect them to graduate in a four-year time frame. We're also going to make sure that they get all the resources to complete those tasks as well. And so this is where that innovative mindset of when you're faced with a problem being like, no, it's not possible. No, we got to figure out how to make it happen. <laughs> so how do we scale to offer all of the English courses that are needed for the incoming first year class, right? That's some unique challenges. Um, and so these are things that we look at. We really want to have this educated population in that state of Arizona. When you look at businesses that are relocating to Phoenix, the state of Arizona, while it's an affordable place for a business to be at, it's business friendly, right? The ability to partner with ASU is also one of the links that attracts people there and they understand what is happening at the university there. So I look at it where we know the student that has a 3.0 and has done all the 16 classes, they need some type of help that might be different than a 4.0 student that's done all the 16 classes. But we know regardless of where you're at on that spectrum, you're capable of doing well. It's about finding your community. It's about building your body of work when you're at ASU. Well, we appreciate that. And I love the mindset where you said, if something is not possible, you look at it as no, how can we make it happen? I really love that. You yeah. also mentioned the 16 classes, which yeah. I know is something specific to Arizona. Right. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that for our listeners? Yeah, I think, you know, when students go to college fairs or their parents are asking high, uh, college representatives, like, what's the average GPA to get in? That's such an arbitrary number because every school calculates <laughs> it a little bit differently. So it's like you're asking a good question, but you don't know how they got the answer for you. Um, and so for ASU um, and the two other public institutions in Arizona, we all calculate grades the same way. So we look at a set of 16 classes, uh, which is four years of math four years of English, three years of lab science, two years of social science, two years of a second language, and one year of fine art or career technical education. And we look at an unweighted GPA in those 16 classes. Um, and so that's, we know if you meet the requirements, you're good and you're capable of doing well at the institution. Well, we appreciate that. And it is a little different in different parts yeah. of the country. For example, yeah. in New York, you're required to have four years of social studies. Yeah. So again, thank you so much, Brad, for the insight. I also know that ASU has rolling admissions, which of course I'm familiar with. But again, for our listeners, what exactly does that mean when you have rolling admissions? 
Yeah, with rolling admissions, that means the application opens at a set date and students typically get their decisions within a set number of weeks. And so we open our application in early July every year, and then we start admitting students for the upcoming term um, beginning in August. What's great about rolling admission is it allows a student to get their application in, get an admissions decision, and then they don't have to worry or stress out about, you know, the selective school applications. They got one in their pocket of a place they've been admitted to. Um, and then the other important thing with rolling admission is there might be other deadlines that come up. And when you meet different priority dates, that ensures that you might meet another date that comes along the way. The most important one I can think of is housing, right? In a lot of college towns, and ASU is part of this, where housing is expensive right now. And making sure that you have your accommodation set when you come to a university and jumping in those housing portals when you're ready to decide. Again, so you apply early, you get your decision early, but it sets you up for success in all of the other deadlines that come down the way. I always worry about students that wait till the last minute, right? They do everything right when it's due. And that's a stressful situation because um, you waited to the last minute, you're hoping that everything worked perfectly, and if it didn't, now you're off track, right? And so that's where rolling admission is important. You get your decision in, you, get your, you can wait and hang out, but you'll meet all the other deadlines that come down the road. Well, we appreciate that. And Brad, I received some inquiries about students that are homeschooled. Yeah. How does the application process differ for students that are homeschooled? Uh, with ASU and homeschool, we'll look at the transcript uh, that a student would have from their homeschool. Uh, so they would complete the different types of courses. Um, every homeschool student is a little bit unique in the way that they may take courses. Um, some students may have completed coursework through a community college. That'll meet some of the competencies. Lab science for homeschool students is where we really have to investigate. And the big thing that we're looking for is what I would call a wet lab. We're looking for a lab that actually has tactile experiences with it. And I know right now there's a lot of uh, science programs that are offered in a virtual space. Some of those are approved uh, to be uh, acceptable at ASU. Others aren't. Um, and we can work with homeschool students individually to make sure that they're meeting the requirements. Then again, if a student had an ACT or an SAT score, they would be able to exempt themselves from some of those requirements. And this goes back to how we would only ever use a test score if it helped a student out. Well, I appreciate that. And of course, if anyone has any follow-up questions, they certainly could reach out to the ASU Office of Undergraduate Admissions. By the way, I'm going to link the admissions office in the show notes. Brad, if there's anything that you want to provide to students and parents, just send it to me. And of course, they'll yeah. be available in the show notes. Well, I open this up too. I was going to add here, um, any student or family can always email me. My, e my email is easy to remember. It's askbrad at asu.edu. I don't know all the answers, but I know a lot of fine folks at the university that I can get people connected <laughs> to. So your listeners can always drop that to me. Um, and I have a team ready to jump in and answer all those. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Brad. I was also curious, what are some examples of college essays that left an impression on you? And what advice would you give a student who's about to sit down to start their essay? We don't have to read in our office because it's all academic based. But what I can provide is within the honors college, reviewing essays that I've seen from students, because in the Honors College, we look at a holistic application review. And so that's letters of recommendation, personal statements, and some essay prompts. Prepared work 
is one of the things that I'll tell students is to get on it in the summer before the term starts. Um, so that way you're ready to submit it. You've had people edit and review your essays, which is the one thing that I think a lot of students will wait till the last minute. They skip an editing phase and they just go with what they had there. So any ability to have a parent, to have a friend review it, I think is really, really important in that space. The ones that come that stick out in my mind are those that have authentic experiences, right? You're not writing to impress someone, you're sharing about yourself and what you're going to contribute to the university community, what you're going to bring as a skill set, or um, maybe just yourself and what you're going to provide to that type of space. And so that's where I tell students, invest the time, especially as you're looking at selective programs, like our honors college is pretty selective, um, and making sure that you spent the time and effort to get into that. Well, we appreciate that's a great overview. And of course, a student's activity sheet, yep. another piece of the application. Yeah. How do you use it as part of your overall process? Yeah. So for the regular admission part, it's going to be not reviewed at all. For the honors college or other scholar programs that we have that are focused in leadership that are selective, um, the activity sheet that shows depth and commitment is really important. So a student that has practice drums every single year since they were in sixth grade, right? Versus a student that decided to join the chemistry class their junior year to add something to their resume. Um, so making right. sure that a student has, I will always take quality and length of experience and they might have fewer ones there. And then also reminding students not to discount things that they don't think are applicable. If you worked at a grocery store, that's important for a college admissions office to know that you're dedicating 10 or 20 hours a week to helping to your family's income. And that's something that colleges should know about you. You shouldn't say like, oh, that doesn't apply. When I see a student that has worked in a fast food industry, that's something that's exciting to me because I like they've had to work hard. Um, if a student grew up in a rural community on a farm and being able to quantify that experience for someone to understand, that's a different type of work that college admissions officers need to know about in that space. So I always say add the important things, add depth to it, um, and don't be afraid to put all the things on the list and then meet with your high school counselor to find out what you should maybe edit off of the list. Well, that's great advice. And of course, it's always advisable students to meet with your guidance counselors. They are a wealth of information and knowledge. So thank you so much, Brad. Does ASU offer any programs for students that may have had an IEP when in high school to help yeah. ensure that when they arrive on campus, they continue to be successful? A student attending one of the largest public institutions in the country, how do we ensure that they're not going to get lost in the fold of a large campus community and make sure that they have the resources? Again, I go back to the scale at which we can offer those um, makes it exciting. So within the university community, we have what is called sales, student accessibility and inclusive learning services. Um, and they when a student comes in and says, hey, here's the services that I need, that team will help design what the ASU experience is and what a student may need, whether it's assisted tutoring or writing or extended test taking. So there's all these different options there where a family and a student would sit down with our center to design their pathway at the university to ensure that they get the help they need. And I throw this out there a lot uh, where I think students oftentimes don't start to ask these questions until it's too late. And they should be asking these questions in their college search, right? Like, what are the services that you provide? And which I love that this is part of your questions here is you should start thinking about these as a sophomore and a junior. Um, so you can start building that list around the schools that are going to offer you the right services. Um, our health and wellness team offers 
free counseling 24 7 365. wow that is incredible where a student these days they have financial stress they have family stress they have academic stress and it just happens at any point in time and so a student at asu can get counseling in the moment we don't put them on a wait list they don't have to sign up for an appointment you know 10 weeks from the date to get the help they need it is right then and there and that's something that i'm proud of i know the associate vice president that built that and when other colleges and universities ask about it they're like how'd you do it and he's like just did it. You figure it out and do it. Like, don't come up with the reasons why not to do it. Figure out how to do it because um, it's important. It's impactful. And I'm pretty sure there is not another large university that's offering that free counseling at that scale right now. Well, we really appreciate that insight and that overview. And part of the reason why we ask these questions is, of course, to give the information to students and their parents. But I also hope that once they listen to this episode, should they meet you on campus or at a college fair or one of your colleagues, hopefully it'll have even better follow-up questions having yeah. heard our conversation. So I really appreciate yeah. your time, Brad. Unfortunately, as awesome as this conversation has been, <laughs> we have arrived to the last question, which is, what are your top three pieces of advice that you would give a student and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? All right. So I gave you a sneak preview or a little foreshadow earlier. Don't center your college search around a degree program. Find what is your dream job and then look at the types of degree programs that lead to that. A degree program, I think, causes someone to focus in on a specific area and they lose track of what it is they want to do after they graduate. And so um, I've worked with some of our advisors and faculty and we really come back to this career connection component of it. And so basing your college search in that area and realizing a lot of different degrees lead to the same type of career paths. Um, ASU designed a tool called Me3, which is a career interest survey, which there's a lot of them out there. And this tool goes through, you swipe through left and right on career interest photos. And at the very end, it links to your top three careers, and then it maps out all the different degree programs at ASU to help you navigate that space. So I do it. I get the same two answers every single time. I get number one, uh, news anchor. It fits kind of my repertoire of skill sets. Um, it doesn't mean that I should be on the news every day, but the things I do in my daily work encompass a lot of the same skills a news anchor would do, right? Newsroom director is what I get number two. Managing huge amounts of volume and helping communicate that out to students and families is important. So again, look at career interests and look at the skills that what align to maybe what would you be your dream job. My second one would be accept happenstance. So parents and students, they're going to invest all this time and money and traveling to colleges and their student is probably going to visit one school and then they'll visit the next one and their number one choice changes every single day. And then out of the blue, you'll ask a student why they chose a university and they'll just say, because. And for <laughs> as a parent, I can only imagine like the disappointment because you're hoping for this huge revelation of like the journey that you took and for your student to say like, it just felt right. Like it's kind of anticlimactic in that space, but happenstance is a real thing and letting students understand that it's okay when you walk foot on that or step foot on that campus, you have that feeling of where you want to be. And it's okay if you don't like that campus as well. Um, I see that happen all the time where an alum might bring their students to the campus and they want the type of experience that they had for their student. And that's a very different type of thing right now. And so I leave you with my last one here, um, which would be keep it on an individualized basis. So within family units, we start sharing the college list with our neighbors and where my friends' kids are going to school. 
every student develops their college list that's meant for them. And every student is unique and different for as much as the world tries to put people into drop down menus and check boxes for all data collection. It's still an individualized journey that you as a student can focus on. And when you focus on what you're trying to do and accomplish and not get distracted about what everyone else is doing, that's when you have a really good college search. Because if you're a fine arts student, your list of colleges is going to be really, really different than maybe another student that's looking at finance and business, right? And so just understanding where you fit into your major, your career experience, and how that forms your college list, and not getting distracted by other families' college lists and what they perceive as being a better experience. And I think this links into where a lot of students will apply to schools and they'll say they have a backup school. Your backup school is someone else's top choice. So you should never talk badly about that backup school because you might end up going there and you should be just as happy. But you also will find people that are so excited to go to their top choice, which just happens to be your backup school. So just realizing how that works on a continuum. That's my advice there. Well, that's tremendous advice. And obviously, you're really good at what you do. This has been an outstanding conversation, Brad. I cannot thank you enough. And I'm really happy because I know this is going to help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the college admissions process. Brad, I hope to have you again soon. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. I'm so excited to have done this. Have a great one. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.